MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome to Point Spread Saturday here on VEASAN, the sports betting network, where we get you set for the big game coming up one week from tomorrow as well. Plenty of college basketball, NBA to get to as well. We'll even take a look at some college basketball futures and some college football futures. Never too early to look to the college gridiron. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Mark Zeno. Appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us here on VEASAN with you till 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 7 a.m. Pacific time. We'll be joined by Sam Paniotovich of Nesson and Fox as we'll handicap the Super Bowl coming up, Super Bowl 54. And as well, uh, we will talk with Jimmy Patsos as we get a look at college basketball. A lot of great top 25 action going on in college hoops today. So we've got so much to do uh, and very little time to do it in. But again, thank you for joining me. And let's start uh, with the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56. What did I say? 54. See, the Roman numerals can confuse me. You got to we got to we got to start working with regular numbers here. But Super Bowl 56 here. And look, this is a game between two teams that, you know, I, I think generally uh, and, and for those out in Vegas who, you know, maybe sitting in a sports book watching a game. This isn't the game where the audio would be on. Right. If this was a regular season game, nobody cares about the Rams versus the Bengals. This is not exactly a game that's loaded with a whole bunch of, you know, ancillary storylines that we're really going to get excited about, much like last year when you talk about Brady versus Mahomes and things of that nature. So uh, this is a game, I think, that really, when you start to look at the hype for it, there isn't really that much surrounding it, and you've got to go find it. But certainly, you know, there is the Matt Stafford and Joe Joe Burrow storylines that are there, and those, I think, are, are somewhat interesting. But how much about this game really is, uh, about the players versus the actual teams themselves. You know, I think when you go into Super Bowls, again, I used last year as the example, it was Mahomes versus Brady. It wasn't necessarily the Buccaneers versus the Chiefs and who was the better team, who was the more complete team, who had better pieces around them. It was just about those two quarterbacks. I think it's converse this year where you look at the games, uh, the teams in this game are more about who's got the more complete team and who can win this game. And the pass that these two teams took to get here, obviously very different. The Rams were uh, a, a, a one of the favorites to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC throughout the entire year, given all the moves that they had made, how they'd stacked this roster uh, and what less need the GM of the Rams put together. The Bengals, on the other hand, were a team. I think their win total coming into the season was six and a half had very low expectations. Uh, clearly, Joe Burrow has proven himself to be one of the more talented quarterbacks in all of the NFL and uh, he helped carry a team that, you know, probably was 35 to one 
to get to the Super Bowl going into this season uh, on the precipice of being at the top of the NFL. But these two teams, I think, are similar in certain ways and, you know, very dissimilar in others. Uh, and coaching, obviously, is going to play a big part in this. And there is a relation between Zach Taylor of the Bengals and Sean McVay of the Rams. And we'll get to that coming up in a moment. But Steve Mackinnon here from Vston has put together a, a good sort of trend or at least statistical trend that you can follow when it looks at Super Bowl opponents and how that ends up coming up against a number that four key categories that you can look for. It is turnovers. It is rushing yards. It is passing yards per attempt and time of possession. And so let's take a look at those four categories here for those teams and see how they stack up against one another. In terms of rushing yards, teams that have rushed for more yards in the Super Bowl, 73% against the number for covering. On the year, Cincinnati averages 100.3 rushing yards per game. That's just 23rd in the NFL. The Rams, not too far behind, are 27th at 96 rushing yards per game. As far as passing yards per attempt, Joe Burrow, number one in the NFL, 8.7 yards per attempt. Matt Stafford, not far behind him, number three. So he is right there, those two teams comparatively during the regular season. Turnover battle. It's interesting during the regular season. Neither one of these teams were great as far as turnovers were concerned. The Rams, plus two on the year. The Bengals, flat out zero. Again, for those who are new, just means that they've given the ball away as many times as they've taken it away. That's how you get that zero turnover margin. However, in the playoffs, Cincinnati is plus five turnover margin, and the Rams are at zero. Now, just some sort of background here. Matt Stafford has been prone to the interception. He avoided it in his first two preseason games, ends up throwing one, or would have, would have been a big one, uh, the one that Jakari Tart dropped uh, that would have might have changed the outcome of the NFC championship game. But Matt Stafford has been prone to those interceptions, especially in the latter half of the year. In the beginning part of the year, he was not. In the latter half of the year, they, he got bit by the turnover bug a little bit. And that's kind of what led the Rams to come back to the pack a little bit. But it has sort of evaded him throughout the postseason. Uh, but still the Rams at a zero turnover margin. So we'll see how that plays out in the Super Bowl. And then obviously time possession in the last one. Cincinnati on the year, 10th in the league, holding onto the ball for 30 minutes and 46 seconds on average throughout the regular season. The Rams 20th, holding onto the ball 29 minutes and 55 seconds. So you can see where the edges are throughout the regular season and how indicative that may be for these teams going into Super Bowl 56 and exactly, you know, how that will play out obviously remains to be seen. But, you know, I, I would tell you coaching, this is where it matters. Will either one of these teams try to run the ball more? Will either one of these teams throw unnecessarily? Will either one of these coaches, um, you know, take certain situations that are running downs and end up making them passing downs? I mean, a lot of this stuff will figure out how the game script for this game goes. I'm not a fan, honestly, of either one of these coaches uh, from a standpoint of their in-game management, I think, is suspect at best. I think Zach Taylor is worse than Sean McVay. I think Sean McVay is a little bit better. But uh, both of these guys leave some head-scratching decisions. I think Zach Taylor probably kicks too many field goals and isn't aggressive enough. And I am not the Uber analytics, you know, go for it every fourth down, you know, Madden, 11-year-old Madden mentality uh, at all by any stretch of the imagination. But there are certain game situations and game scripts where, you know, you have to be able to, to, be able to push the envelope or at least give your team a decided advantage and that's not Zach Taylor. Uh, we'll get into props later on in the show, but one of those that I would like, the longest field goal over, I think it's 40 and a half yards, uh, he will absolutely kick a 40-plus yard field goal with Evan McPherson. Uh, he just, he, Zach Taylor will. 
Um, that, that's you, you can take that to the bank at this point. If the opportunity presents itself, especially early on in the game, uh, in the first half, he's absolutely going to take that shot for a long field goal because he trusts his kicker. So uh, it, it's one of those things where Sean McVay may be a little bit more apt to go for it. And then, again, these are things that sort of turn the tide of the game. Um, and, and again, curious coaching decisions. It's like, you know, you'll go for it on fourth down at the 40, but then you'll get stalled inside the 25-yard line and you won't go, go for it there. You'll set up for a field goal. Stuff like that that's sort of a little bit head-scratching. You know, if you're going to take the field goal, just take the field goal uh, and, and put time, keep time on the clock and give yourself some more time to recover for any mistakes that may happen down the road. But again, these coaches are, are peculiar at best in the way they go about handling things. So uh, that will be a big part of this game. But I do think that there is uh, the decided advantage for the front seven of Los Angeles against the Cincinnati offensive line. You saw last year in the Super Bowl what a bad offensive line can do to a game and how it will change the outcome 100%. The other thing that is so poignant in this game to me is how the teams got here. You know, the, the Rams clearly, again, they beat their division opponent, Arizona handily. Uh, they upset the Super Bowl champions, and I do think that was an upset. It was a game that clearly, uh, you know, if that goes to overtime, I think the Buccaneers absolutely win that thing. And then, of course, again, they, they end up, you know, beating another division opponent in the Niners, um, teams that they were probably consistently better than all year long. The Bengals, however, their margin to get here uh, is so razor thin. Go back and think about the playoff path that the Bengals had taken to get here. It had to come down to the final play to beat the Las Vegas Raiders. And you could argue if it wasn't for the officials and some really odd clock management in the final two minutes by Rich Passaccia, the head coach or the interim head coach at the time of the Raiders, but that game is going overtime, and it's a situation that doesn't necessarily benefit the Bengals. Um, so they had a razor-thin margin there. They had to go to overtime against the Tennessee Titans on the road in a game where they could only score 16 points in regulation. Uh, and, and, again, the Titans played terrible. Um, I'm not taking anything away from the Bengals, but the Titans did not play a good game at all. And still yet they found themselves with an opportunity to win that game going into overtime. And, again, of course— they had to come back from a 21-3 deficit against the best team in the league and ask Patrick Mahomes of the worst second half of his career to win that game in overtime, a game where they actually Kansas City won the coin toss. So, you know, this is a, a team that you could argue all three of the games that they won to get to the postseason, they should have lost. And when that margin comes into play, you have to wonder how much more their luck will last through a fourth postseason game, this one being the Super Bowl in particular. So I think seeing money come in on the Rams early, seeing the line inflate and, and get up to four and a half is not surprising at all. It's not shocking at all to me uh, because, again, there's there, there shouldn't be a whole lot of trust in the Bengals because objectively they had to squeak by. And you could argue luck was a bigger part of those games than what they did to win them. Again, you get focused on the quarterback and Joe Burrow and everything else. But in reality, this is not a this wasn't a game where. You know, he lit the other defense up for 350 yards. It's not how those games went down. All three of the games for Cincinnati went under. And speaking of the under, the total of this thing has started to come down as sharp betters quickly bet this thing down to 48 and a half. And I get it because I don't see a scenario from a game script standpoint how Cincinnati wins an over game. I don't think that they are equipped. And despite all the weapons that they have and all the focus on Jamar Chase and everything else, I don't think that they can win an over game. Clearly, they can win an under game. They've won all three of them. I see a scenario where the Rams can win a game much similar to the way they did against San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. 
So I think it's a coin flip in the under. Um, but I don't, I don't know how Cincinnati wins an over game, not with that offensive line and not with a, a, a lack of a consistent running game um, and, and any semblance of using Joe Mixon regularly. So uh, I, I think it's the under, I lean on the under in this game and I lean on Cincinnati because if it is an under game, it'll probably come down to a field goal. All right. We've got so much more coming up on Super Bowl 56. We have a lot more to do here uh, throughout the rest of this point spread Saturday. I know it's a little early to look at college football, but we have some futures ahead, some very interesting betting lines for you, and three teams I want you to keep your eye on. Coming up next in Point Spread Saturday here on Visa and I'm Mark Zeno. So thank you so much for joining us. More to come here on the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Join our own Stormy Bonantoni on Friday at 6 p.m. for the big game betting and beers event at the South Point Casino right here in Las Vegas. Stormy will be joined by our guys in the desert, Chris Andrews, Jimmy Vaccaro, Vinny Maiulio, for a fun and informative look at betting this year's big game and stories from behind the book about all the action these legends have seen over the years. The event is free for everyone over 21, so stop by the South Point. On Friday at 6 p.m. to get free samples of Bookmaker Blonde Ale, specials on Budweiser, purchase copies of Chris Andrews' books, sign copies of Chris Andrews' books, and learn from these bookmaking experts. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zeno here on VCND Sports Betting Network. Take a pause from Super Bowl 56. Again, we're going to have so much coverage here on VCND across the next week plus leading up to uh, the big game here, Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. But I did want to take a quick second because anytime you get a chance to, to talk some college football and play some wager down, I think there's some interest here on uh, some of the teams that we're looking at because so much has happened in college football uh, in this offseason already. 
that I think there is some value in certain teams that you could find. Now, if you look at the futures odds to win the national title, and some people may say it's a little early, um, there's still a lot to do and a lot of things could shake up and happen. But hey, you know, I mean, this is why you try to take advantage of some of these spots here early on. Alabama, the clear favorite again at plus 200. Georgia, the defending national champion at plus 300. Is there ever really any value on betting on Alabama? You could argue there is and there isn't. I mean, at two to one, it's not terrible. But in the same respect, uh, you're not getting a lot of return on your investment. I'm not going to bet on Georgia again. Uh, if Kirby Smart is going to start Stetson Bennett again, well, I think it worked once, and I'm not taking anything away from Kirby Smart or anything like that. I just don't think Stetson Bennett is a persistent national championship-level quarterback. Now, Georgia is a national championship-level team, but I wouldn't go to that well twice. Um, just just my opinion. Uh, congratulations, Stetson Bennett, on winning a national title. He'll walk through Athens and, and never pay for a drink the rest of his life. That's great, but it doesn't mean he's going to be able to win back-to-back -back titles. I just don't think... Uh, he is that kind of quarterback, so I'm not going to bet there. Ohio State comes in third at plus 600. But where I want you to focus your attention, and oh, by the way, Ohio State is not a bad bet at 6-1. to one. Um, They have every every chance to win uh, a national title as much as anybody else does. Uh, that's as a competent of a program with a competent coach as there is in America. But if you're really looking for value, there are three teams that I really want you to focus on. And one of them comes in next at as at, one of them comes in next <laughs> Clemson, a 12 to 1 favorite to win college football playoff national championship again. Now, don't get sucked into by what you saw last year, okay? They had problems at quarterback, obviously. New offense coordinator Brandon Streeter has taken over, and it's probably not going to be DJU who's going to be the quarterback there, but Clemson did get the number one quarterback recruit in the country in Cade Klubnik. And whether he's the starter or not, or they go in a different direction, I know they got a couple of guys in the transfer portal. Here's the thing. One, that Clemson defense was still one of the best defenses in the country. Number two, they play in the easiest conference to win in all of college football. Do not discount the Clemson Tigers getting back to the college football playoff again, because that's the first step in taking a bet at this point in time is the likelihood that they're going to win their conference and going to get a ticket to the college football playoff. If you believe that they can do that, then you hope you're in a coin flip situation for two games in a row where you got a chance to win the thing. And Clemson will have a chance to win this thing. If they can get some sort of competent quarterback play and their offense isn't complete, you know, head-scratchingly bad the way it was this year. And Cade Klubnik, we've seen freshmen, we've seen true freshmen do very good things at this level already. It's not like it was 15, 20 years ago where true freshmen couldn't compete and couldn't play and couldn't be high-level quarterbacks. They're all over the place now in college football. So taking Clemson at 12-1 to because they're easily going to be the best team in the ACC again, is not a bad bet. And remember, the teams that were competent last year in the ACC, look what they've lost. You look at North Carolina, Sam Howell is gone. You know, you look at uh, uh, Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett is gone. You know, you look at all these teams and you see how much they've changed. Clemson defensively is still going to be very, very good. And if they get the quarterback play right, which I believe that they can, they'll be the favorite to win the ACC. Two other teams I want you to take a look at. Texas A&M, number one recruiting class in America, number one recruiting class ever. Here's an interesting thing about Texas A&M, okay? Look at the rest of the SEC West. Now they clearly have the hardest climb because of the division and the conference that they play in. But Auburn, Zach Calzada, you know that guy that was kind of like so-so for me last year? Yeah, yeah, now he's their problem. And oh, by the way, uh, they have some coaching issues there. LSU, I know they got Brian Kelly, but they have quarterback issues. They're in a state of transition. It's probably gonna take him a year to get things up and running. I don't think they'll be a team that's going to win the SEC West. Oh yeah, Ole Miss, guess what? They were great last year. 
New Year's Six Bowl, their quarterback, gone. Going to have to start all over. Still a very good coach, but still, they're going to start over. And Alabama, guess what? I figured out how to beat those guys last year with Zach Calzada at quarterback. So Texas A&M, if there was ever a situation where they were ripe, and it was ripe to take the SEC West, it's probably now, given the recruiting class that they just brought in, and at 35-1, to 1, it is not a terrible flyer by any stretch of the imagination. Final team I'll give you a look at before we get to some Heisman Futures. Another team at 35-1, to 1, USC. Lincoln Riley brings in Caleb Williams, his quarterback from Oklahoma. While it's not the easiest conference to win, you have to believe, after watching what Lincoln Riley was able to do at Oklahoma for several quarterbacks, including Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and now with Caleb Williams, he'll have him for a full season, he'll have him for a full offseason to get him ready in a much different conference that may be more winnable than the Big 12, given at least the structure, right? Um, because you have two divisions, you get your division, you can win your division, and then get to the, the back 12 championship game. Obviously, Utah is going to be very competitive, as will Oregon once again. But still, this is the best coach in that conference. And so he's going to have a little bit of an edge. And I can guarantee you, there is nothing better than the college football playoff would love than to have that SC logo sitting in the top four when they pick the college football playoff teams. I mean, there will be a little bit of favoritism uh, to USC and, and the Pac-12 has really never been sexy since USC has been down in the last couple of years. But I think this is a, a, a spot where a flyer on them to win the Pac-12 and get to the college football playoff is not a bad bet at all at this point in time, given the track record that Lincoln Riley has put together uh, through his, his coaching career to this point. Okay, take a quick look at, uh, at some Heisman odds. And I think there's really only one place where you can go and put your money when you look at all the Heisman odds. Bryce Young comes in at the heavy favorite. At plus 250, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State next at plus 350, J.T. Daniels from Georgia. Well, he's not even at Georgia. He's in the transfer portal right now. Um, at 20 to 1, you see the rest of the names there. Dylan Gabriel, Tyler Van Dyke, again, Clay, Kaylee Williams now going to USC. Um, I, I think in general, even though the, uh, the, the value isn't that great, the only place you put your money at this point in time is on C.J. Stroud. That number is only going to go down. It, it won't see you won't see 350 again. The minute he throws a pass uh, this season from week one, that number is going down, and it's not going to come back up. Uh, if it does, then he's not winning it. Period. I mean, that's just really what it boils down to. He's played bad, and and he and he's got no shot. I know we've seen preseason favorites and guys at the top never really factor into it. But I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Uh, that was the best offense in the country last year. Uh, and even though they're losing some wide receivers, Chris Olave and everybody headed to the NFL draft, they still got Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison's son, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., right? I think that's his name. But anyway, the kid that blew up in the in the game against Utah uh, in the Rose Bowl, I mean, they just have weapons all over the place. And C.J. Stroud is going to be locked and loaded for bear uh, when it comes back to playing football this year. There's no reason you're not looking at another, you know, 3,000, 4,000-yard season and 35 to 40 touchdowns. Again, they they will be the best offense in the country. And from that standpoint, uh, this kid is the only place you should put your money on. There really isn't any other value anywhere else. I think they're flyers, and I think you're hoping to see a, a Kenny Pickett-type situation from some of these other guys where it just comes out of nowhere. And while Pickett was great and Corral was great this year, and those were the kind of guys that, if I had a Heisman vote, would have gotten probably more of my attention Um I, I don't know that anybody's going to grab more headlines than C.J. Stroud at this point in time. Uh, it would be really surprising to see somebody else overtake him. 
Uh, just because I, you, you've seen what this offense at Ohio State is capable of, so it's very, very difficult for me to look and put my money somewhere else. So, again, a, a lot of these odds may change over the course of the next couple of months before you get to uh, even spring practice, for that matter, uh, and how things are going to look. Uh, and clearly, you know, uh, injuries and, and uh, you know, other situations will come and develop that may change some of the odds for this thing. But as we sit here right now, the week before the Super Bowl, uh, and we are in the beginning of February, I think the three teams to win the national title, Clemson, uh, USC, and Texas A&M, are all very solid plays for a variety of reasons. And again, C.J. Stroud would be my bet for uh, the Heisman Trophy winner uh, at this point in time. So uh, I know, again, a little early to get into college, but it's it's exciting, and, and certainly there's a lot of good uh, good bets to be made out there at this point in time. So a uh, little fun talking college, right? we got a lot to do. We're going to get back into Super Bowl 56 coming up as well. Uh, we got a full college basketball slate today with plenty of top 25 action. A couple of NBA games we're going to get to as well. Jimmy Patsos, uh, former college basketball coach, will join us to talk some college hoops later on this hour. Uh, and he's good, planning on joining us next. And we'll get to my NBA picks coming up all the end of this hour. I'm Mark Zino. You've been watching and listening to Point Spread Saturday here on VEASAN. Stay with us. Got plenty more to come with you till 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. More to come here on Point Spread Saturday. The Sports Betting Network. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of Point Spread Saturday is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine with all the baggage of, without all the baggage, rather, of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, no more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouch is smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head over to ZYN.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's ZYN, Zinn.com slash find. This product contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno. As we get you through uh, this Saturday afternoon of betting, uh, we'll get back to Super Bowl 56. Uh, we got some NBA games coming up as well. But joining us now, great friend of mine, former college basketball coach, and now uh, Wizards analyst on TV in the D.C. area. He is Jimmy Patsos here on Point Spread Saturday. Coach, welcome. Always great to talk to you. Hey, Zinal, you're the best man. Hi, brother. Sorry, no, sorry, no football for the first weekend in a long time. So we, so we adjust, and here comes college basketball, brother. Right. Uh, Auburn takes over the number one ranking last week. They get a little bit of a scare from Missouri, but they seem to be back to their high-scoring ways. Uh, a fun, exciting contest last week against Alabama. I mean, they're plus 900 right now to win the national title. How legitimate are their national title hopes? Look, with Kessler at center. Today, Kofi Coburn comes back and plays for Illinois. They're at Indiana, by the way. I like Illinois today in that one. Kofi Coburn's a dominant center. You know, I watched Colorado State. David Roddy's a big guy, but he's only 6'7", wide body. Walker Kessler at 7'1", can block shots. He's gotten better. He was a kid that uh, went to North Carolina, didn't really fit in there, and he's really done well under Bruce Pearl. Look, Jamari Smith, the guards are great. they got lots of players, but they have kind of a big man that can control the paint. I'm not saying he's Shaquille O'Neal or anything like that, you know, but he is really good. Kessler's really gotten better, and I think he's a difference maker. He can run the floor, 
And he just he's one of those centers that could really be a problem in college, you know, right now for guys. He's pretty quick, he's pretty tall, and that's the difference maker. I like him. You know, Gonzaga's really good. Chet Holgram and those guys. But you don't see them for a couple months, you know, unless you're up late watching them play St. Mary's or Pepperdine or whatever. They kind of go away for a couple months. So Duke's really talented. I'd put money. I, 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 I was out at a, you know, we did a show from a sports book. I got a ticket that says Auburn to win it all on. I'll tell you that right now. There you go. Uh, Big 12, who would have thought that might have been the best and most com- you know, uh, competitive basketball conference in America? But here we are um, with the likes of Baylor joining Kansas, Iowa State, Texas. I mean, Texas Tech, you've seen all these teams sort of just you know fight each other and sort of cannibalize each other. Um, but there are some legitimate national title contenders there. If you had to pick a team Big 12 to win it all, where would you put your money? First of all, my sleeper in that league is Jamie Dixon and TCU. I saw them play against Georgetown. I'm kind of a guy that likes to see teams in person, go to a lot of games. TCU is sort of my sweet 16 sleeper. I love Texas Tech and Shannon. They got a lot of depth. I saw them in the garden. They beat Tennessee. But you got to be serious about Kansas. Bill Self in Kansas. I know Kentucky got them pretty good last week. But I think they've just proven they can win in the Big 12. And I'm glad you brought that up, Zeno. I think the Big 12 is an underrated conference. West Virginia, I like West Virginia today against Texas Tech. Bob Huggins has one last stand. He doesn't have a very good team this year. They lost a lot of guys the last couple of years. But they'll fight at home. You're talking West Virginia and Bob Huggins is at the bottom. Kansas State, I haven't seen them, but I've seen Bob Huggins' team. SEC, super strong. Big 10, strong at the top. ACC, down year. Pac-12, Arizona is really good. Top to bottom, Big 12. You're correct, you know, Big 12. And I say, as much as I like Baylor, I'm saying Kansas is coming out of there. It's interesting, Coach, because, you know, when we were just – we were talking in the break about college basketball teams and how they're made up. And when it comes to these these high-scoring offenses – uh, and it comes to the NCAA tournament. You know, you look at teams like like Kentucky and Kansas uh, and Auburn, teams that can get to 80 without breaking a sweat, versus these hardcore defensive teams like Texas, you know, the best defense in America right now, LSU. Would you rather go into the tournament with a high-level defensive team or a high-level offensive team? Because for six consecutive games, Coach, it's hard to play to those numbers, especially against high-level talent in the tournament. You know, really good question, Tino. You know, look. We all know a good defense can beat a good offense for one game. But in six games, you're going to have to score. And Gonzaga proved it. I like Beard in Texas. I saw Texas play San Seton Hall. They lost. They couldn't score the ball. If Carr gets hot, they can score. Timmy Allen's really good transfer from Utah. But Chris Beard is as good a scouter. He scouts really well. They do a great job preparing. Their preparation, their attitudes towards defense is great. And look, some of the talent in college basketball has gone to the pros, to the G League Ignite, to overtime elite, to high schools, to overseas. So there's been a trickle-down effect of not having as many scorers around right now, so defense has taken over. But I'm going to go with you, Zeno. For six games, you're going to have to have offense. That's why I like Garbage. He does both. You know, He really plays it both. By the way, today, Notre Dame, I like Notre Dame. Notre Dame, he's an offensive coach. They've turned it around. Mike Brace had a really turnaround season. They're in third or fourth place in the ACC ready to make the next jump and get in the NCAA contention. Tough loss at Duke, go down to Miami, outscore them. Today, I think they outscore NC State. So I think that the offense is key to winning six games, but for one game, a la Bill Parcells, you know, can you play defense and beat Jim Kelly and the Bills? Can you ball control it and all that stuff? Sure. But over time, 
I just have a feeling that you're going to have to score some points. So I prefer teams that score points. That's one thing I really like about the NBA. I was at the Jazz Nuggets the other night. Great game, 106-102. A lot of stars out. Uh, Jokic is on the bench. Gobert and Mitchell. Well, guys were still going up and down and scoring. Last night, the Jazz, now they got more guys. They just put like 130 on the Nets last night. So I'll take the offense over six games, you know. All right, JP, a couple more college games I want to ask you about. One really fishy line, Michigan State only laying two points against Rutgers here. I, I kind of like Rutgers. I, I know their offense is a problem. Um, they, they've got a little bit of edge defensively. Michigan State's on their fourth road game in the last five games, but just feels like this is a really fishy line because Michigan State is clearly better than Rutgers, and they're only laying two points. They are, and they, but they play, like you said, Zito, this is what you just talked about. They play slow. Uh, Tom Izzo's going to grind it out and play defense. They'll leak out and score. And I just sat courtside with Gary Williams and watched Tom Izzo win by two over Maryland. They were up 10. They don't put anybody away. Max Christie will be a pro. He should stay for another year. Illinois kid that's really doing well for um, Michigan State. I would, I would imagine, you know, that that has a lot to do. And you know this. These guys in Vegas know what they're doing, okay? That's Custer's last stand up there at Rutgers. If they don't win today, their season's pretty much unless they win them. They've had some bad losses. They lost a couple early. I believe they lost to Lafayette. They went out to Minnesota and got beat. The Maryland Terrapins walked in there and destroyed them for 40 minutes. I like Ron Harper Jr. He's my second-round steal. I think he's going to be a really good player. That, that's Ron Harper Jr. His dad was the one with Jordan. Really good player. Okay, he's a grinder. Geo Baker's pretty good. But they don't have enough offense. And I think that this is the this is the people in Las Vegas saying Rutgers has one last chance to save their season at home in front of everybody at the rack. They've had a really good turnaround under Steve Peichel, and today's the day because Michigan State's been on the road for so long. However, Michigan State has some good big guys, and their depth is good. And Izzo has just done a phenomenal job. They're 13th in the country. They were supposed to be about 10th in the Big Ten this year. This is supposed to be a rebuilding year for him. So. I'm not sure which way to go. Your emotion says go Rutgers because this is their last chance. They got to, but I don't know if they can score the ball well enough. So that's a really tough. That's a tough pick right there. You know. Yeah, I got you. One more. You talked about uh, not watching teams on the West Coast. Great matchup at 12 today between uh, Arizona and USC, and it's a heavy number. Arizona laying 11, which kind of surprised me. It almost just makes me want to take USC. But Arizona's really good at home. And you talk about a, a team coach that's great on both ends of the floor. That that's the Wildcats. I might throw some monies in on Arizona to win it all. I watched them play UCLA for 40 minutes. I was in Salt Lake, so you know you had to have downtime. This West Coast watched the whole game. They're bigger than I thought. He's done a great job. They have like seven foreign guys, and they're from all over. They're from like Mali and Lithuania. He's done a really good job, Tommy Lloyd. Tommy Lloyd was the assistant at Gonzaga, so they're going to score points. They're playing really good defense now. So the Kale Center is a great place, great home court advantage. Luke Walton was there the other night. That's the place Lute Olsen built. Don't everybody forget, everyone thought it was the worst job in the country. They had four wins. Lute Olsen goes out there, leaves Iowa, and just builds it into a perennial powerhouse. It is a tough place to play. 11's a lot. This is one of those games if Andy Enfield, if Andy Enfield can get this thing turned, Andy Enfield's doing a good job at USC, but UCLA is sort of the, you know, always the perennial power. Nick Cronin's doing good. We'll see what everybody else can do in the league. It's Arizona's year this year. That was really impressive. I wouldn't lay 11, but I might take Arizona. It might be an A&A, Arizona and Auburn, to beat the national final. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Patsos. JP, Jimmy Patsos, always great to talk to you, brother. Thanks for the time this morning. I appreciate it. 
Jenner, you're the best. Take care. Later. All right. Uh, again, Coach Patsos, former college basketball coach, uh, coming up on the 10-year anniversary of when he took Little Loyola, Maryland to the NCAA. So uh, great to have Coach back on. All right, coming up next, we'll take a look at the NBA slate today. My picks right here on Point Saturday on VEASAN, the sports betting network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcasts. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many, many more. They're all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with us. More on Super Bowl 56 coming up here uh, next hour uh, as we will be joined by Sam Paniotovic of Nesson and Fox. Uh, we'll break down both side total and props with him uh, before the end of the show. Obviously, I'll give you my bets for the day. We've got a little more college hoops to get into. Let's turn our attention right now to the NBA slate for this Saturday and some early look aheads. And, you know, always got to preface the NBA slate by saying, make sure you know who's playing, wait to get to the window, try to eliminate as much of the variance as possible as it is with the NBA these days. But uh, there are some games here today that I like and some ones that I think that uh, you know, eliminate a lot of that variance. You can get some value on here. I want to start with one of the better games. It's really not a great NBA slate today at all by any stretch of the imagination. Not really anything exciting, although you do have the Knicks and the Lakers playing later today, which, you know, by name brand is exciting, but both those teams aren't very good these days. So but let's start with the best matchup between the Miami Heat and the Charlotte Hornets uh, in a game where Charlotte, uh, one of the better cover teams in the league uh, this year, is is getting three and a half points at home. 
Now, the Hornets are on a back-to-back. Uh, they lost to Cleveland last night, 101-100. to uh, And it's their fourth game in fifth days. And I sort of had this thing of just not – <laughs> with not betting on teams on a back-to-back. It's usually the other team or a stay away from me. Um, and and it's just, it's I think it's a bad recipe. I think you're playing with too many things. Uh, again, you don't know who's going to sit out on the tail end of a back-to-back. A lot of it depends on who the opponent is, how much they really want to push, um, how much guys need rest, injury situation. So there's just so many things that's hard to eliminate with teams on a back-to-back. So I never really bet on a team with a back-to-back. Miami's been bitten by the injury bug, however. Now, they do expect to get Jimmy Butler back to play here in this game. P.J. Tucker questionable as well. And really, that's why I say you got to wait to get to the window. Even with Butler being uh, probable for the game, you just want to make sure he's in the lineup. Now, Charlotte this year, 22-13 and 13 against the spread as a dog. That's 63%. That would be a trend that you'd look towards. But they are 3-6 and six against the number on back-to-backs and 4-6 and six in division play. Now, they play in a pretty competitive division in the Southeast with Miami, as we just mentioned, and Atlanta, who is a very good offensive team. So clearly they're going to challenge you. Uh, I'm going to lay it with Miami here as long as Jimmy Butler is playing. Uh, I'm, again, I just I'm not going to bet on a team that's playing on a back to back. I like Miami in this spot. They're off two days rest. They're coming off a loss and they need to get a win uh, as well. So, you know, here is a spot with Miami that I think uh, is advantageous with them. If Jimmy Butler is back in the lineup again, they've been bitten by the injury bug. So if they're getting a little bit healthy, they could take advantage of a short number here and a team on a back to back. That's not as likely to be able to score at the show. It's the best scoring team in the league. It's just hard to put up back-to-back nights where you're putting up that kind of number. And they only scored 100 last night. I'd be shocked if they get to 115. You could even look at the the total in this game, that 224, and look to go under. It's always just a play for me. I look to go unders on back-to-backs if, if the situation is right. Miami's got a good defense. Uh, that's another viable option here just to take the under 224 because it is a little bit of an inflated number given the fact that these are two pretty competent offensive teams. Um, but I, I do like the heat here. In this spot, uh, on to the next game between the Knicks and the Lakers. Again, name brand, a lot of recognition, just not a very sexy matchup at all, especially given the fact that you're missing a lot of the big names in this game. Derrick Rose not going to play. LeBron James out. Carmelo James out. Um, Anthony Davis expected to play uh, in this game. The Lakers have lost four or five, as have the Knicks. Um, this is just the Lakers' second home game since January 19th. I think they had a seven-game road trip there in between uh, pretty uncommon uh, to be on the road that long in the NBA. So the Lakers got a little bit of tired legs here as they come back home. I mentioned the Knicks lost four or five. They've also lost seven of nine. The Lakers just have covered 43% of their games against the number this season. And the Knicks aren't much better. They've covered 48% against the spread. However, the Knicks are eight and two against the number with two or three days off this year. And that is a situation they're coming off three days rest uh, as they get set to play the Lakers here. Uh, so I'm not going to back a side here, but I will back the total and play the under 213 and a half, given the fact that there are so many guys out. Lakers have tired legs. The Knicks aren't a very good off- offensive team, not a very competent offensive team. So uh, I'm going to play the under 213 and a half. I know it's a low number, but um, if both these teams get to 100, I'd be surprised. Um, the Knicks, when they are fully loaded, have trouble getting to 100 on a routine basis. So, um, and again, the Knicks a very good defensive team. Without the Lakers having their full complement of weapons, uh, particularly LeBron James, sure Anthony Davis could go off and score 30, but that doesn't mean the Lakers are going to put up 115 points in this game. So, uh, from that standpoint, do all the math. I add up to an under here, 213 and a half. On to Memphis at Orlando. 
Uh, Memphis laying seven and a half and a total of 225 in this game. Memphis is the one of the best cover teams this year, but they have covered 35 times at 35 and 19 ATS. That's second best percentage wise in the league behind Oklahoma City. Um, but but the pure numbers of raw ATS wins at 35. They've been the best spread team in the NBA for a better part of this year. They're four and five straight up. Four. They've won four and five straight up. They've four or five against the number they've covered. They're 18 and eight against the spread on the road this year. Um, John Morant, day-to-day, questionable to play. You got to make sure he's playing before you make this bet because I'm going to lay the seven and a half with Memphis if John Morant is in the lineup tonight. Uh, that's really just what it was. And I think this is a five o'clock tip. It's like a matinee. It's a five o'clock, 10 Eastern tip here. So uh, just make sure John Morant is in the game before you place your wager. Otherwise, it's stay away from me. But it looks like he's going to play. Uh, I'll absolutely lay the seven and a half. This is a, a, a number that is easily coverable for Memphis. They've covered 69% of their games against non-division opponents this year. Orlando is a bad offensive team, one of the worst in the NBA. Uh, Memphis should be able to cover this number with a relative ease if John Morant is playing in this game. Again, that's the big the big rub here, as it always is with the NBA, who's sitting out, who's in, who's out. So just make sure you're getting your full complement. He's really the only guy listed on the Grizzlies injury report at this point in time. So as long as Jaw's in, I'll lay the seven and a half with Memphis in this game. Uh, one of the final games I'll take a look at here, Phoenix and Washington. Uh, Phoenix Suns laying seven and a half and a total of 222 and a half in this game. Now, both of these teams are top 10 in field goal percentage. Phoenix is the second highest scoring team in the league. Washington is not. Washington is a very good shooting team, uh, but they are not a very high scoring team. So you look at both of these offenses and feel like they're going to be able to be confident. Bradley Beal not playing in this game for Washington. It feels a little bit like a letdown spot for the Phoenix Suns. They had a very competitive high scoring game in Atlanta on Thursday night where they had their 11 game win streak snapped by the Atlanta Hawks. So after losing that win streak, you you stay on the road and you go play a lesser team than the one that you just beat. Seems like a lot of energy was expended in trying to beat the Hawks and it didn't happen. This could be a very big letdown spot. Also, again, you have to wait to see who's playing. Is it a spot where, you know, we see Phoenix rest some of their starters uh, because they're playing such a weaker team and they can win the game. Phoenix is just 10 and 12 this year against the number when laying seven and a half points or more. So it's not even necessarily a letdown spot. Even in, in regular spots, they've had trouble covering numbers this big. Phoenix hasn't been a great spread team this year overall. They've been winning a ton of games, but clearly not winning them against the number. So I'm going to back Washington here, despite the fact that they have no Bradley Beal. Uh, and, and I would look to the under two. It just seems like a spot here where Phoenix is not going to have their best offensive game. They don't have to have their best offensive game to beat the Washington Wizards. And I'm not saying the Wizards are going to win this thing outright. I'm not taking them on the money line. Just enough that they'll keep it close because they are a competent shooting team across the board that they can turn around and look at this game as a, a, a spot where they can keep it close. Uh, so it's a tough number to lay with Phoenix on road games, uh, even though they had a, a couple of days off uh, after losing to Atlanta. Uh, I'll back Washington here, despite the fact that Bradley Beal isn't playing again. I would also just wait to see if Phoenix is going to rest any of their main starters tonight, uh, whether it's Devin Booker, maybe even Chris Paul, who knows who gets a night off uh, for Phoenix. But it certainly looks like an advantageous spot for the Wizards. Just one more quick note in a matchup here that I'm not going to play, but it is worth noting. Oklahoma City is playing Sacramento. Oklahoma City, percentage-wise, best cover team in the league. Sacramento, one of the worst 
covered teams in the league. Maybe some value and some opportunity there with Oklahoma City, um, despite the fact that uh, uh, they're laying points and a team that's not very good. Um, but still, uh, their cover percentage this year has been the best in the NBA. So maybe some value for to look for there. So again, just run down. I'll lay three and a half with Miami. Take the under in the Lakers-Knicks game. I'll lay it with Memphis seven and a half and look to the under uh, and take the points with Washington against the Phoenix Suns. All right, we come back. We'll get back into Super Bowl 56 and props. And the one prop that I've made already that I feel like you can take it to the bank. That's coming up next here on Points for Saturday. I'm Mark Zeno. Thanks for watching listening to VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.